Welcome to hell. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Jersey Shore Musicians Podcast. I'm Matt. That's Jeff. Hello. <laughs> and today we have the P-Dub assassin himself, Mr. Tim Boyce. You yeah. mutton Jeff over here, man. <laughs> beer, welcome, welcome. Thank you. Any Thanks problem much. finding the place? No, but almost got rear-ended because as you know, like trying to slow down in front of your driveway. Yeah. These Usually aggressive. people pass this place so much. Yeah, the Tom's River holiday traffic. Fisher Boulevard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So we like to start off. Let's hear your origin story because you have a good one. You have a great history in New Jersey plus touring. I've known you for quite a few years. We worked yeah, together. Of course. Let's let's introduce. I want to hear this great story that you got. Well, the origin story. Hopefully I'm going to keep this short and succinct. I'm it's from, also PJ. It's yeah. got to be PJ. No, I'm just totally no, kidding. I'm Fuck PG that. <laughs> I got too many stories. But I am from the Jersey Shore, as the podcast uh, title uh, insinuates. I was, I'm was i from Seabright, New Jersey, originally. I grew up in that town when it was a... Uh, it's still a bar town, but when it was jumping, man. When it was just being surrounded by revelry and um, live bands were the thing then, mm-hmm. you know? So... It was a, that was my normality. That's what people cared about music, though. Yeah. Do you feel that there's a difference to that now between today and yesterday? There is a difference, yeah. Um, The intensity is there in certain towns. Mm. Earlier, before we started this podcast, obviously, we were talking about Asbury Park. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of energy, like festive energy in that town. By that, I mean, it's a place where people go out specifically to party and see live bands. Um, Seabright was like that when I was growing up, but more almost like a Seaside Heights where it was kind of like some next level shit Mm. as far as the partying and the drinking and stuff. So, um, I definitely, I I can't think of an equivalent of it today in New Jersey, maybe a Wildwood, you know, a place where people just come to get shitty, man, (laughs) (laughs) dance to a live band. Yeah. That's what Seabright was. So we had Donovan's Reef. We had Trade Winds, mm. the Peninsula House. Like, as you go up the beach, it was just like venue after venue. And my uncle's band was one of the bands of note. Let me mute this. One of the bands of note in that scene. They were called Line Drive. They were kind of like a super big deal when I was a kid. So I grew up with this whole... I'm named after my uncle, the musician. So I grew up with this whole, like... How do you explain this? Back then, you could sneak it, not sneak, like as an eight, nine, ten year old, you could walk into this packed bar where people are doing blow, drinking, dancing, and going fucking nuts. And once in a while, they'd be like, rarely would you be asked, like, what are you doing here? Could you imagine that today? That's yeah. one thing that's nuts. Oh, like, my close. son's eight, like, in a fucking bar by himself. I'm by myself. I'm not, no, no parent took me to this bar. Mm-hmm. I fucking walked across the street and went into the bar. See my uncle's band play. But if there ever was any trouble, they'd be like, who are you? I'll be like, I'm Tim Boyce. And it was the same name as my uncle. So it's like, yeah, yeah, he's good. I I wasn't drinking or anything, but just to be in the environment where like, 
No holds barred, pretty much. Bro, it was 80s white people doing blood dancing <laughs> and get ready to make babies and start the rest of their family lives. That's what was happening, man. And it, like, it made quite an impression on me, man. Because I'm sitting here watching, you know, oh, that's my uncle. Place is rocking. Now, he hated this era of his band because they were a jazz fusion band. They were kind of a big deal. But I guess at that time, they made the decision to do like what was called top 40 back then for a cover band. Mm -hmm. And uh, he hated it, but I thought it was awesome. And even to this day, I tell him, I'm like, bro, you're like, he's considered like a, a guy in jazz fusion. But I'm like, yo, jazz fusion is shit. The music you fucking play has like 17, 16 as a time signature. <laughs> Nobody knows where the no one reason. is. Yeah. yeah, nobody can even snap their fingers to this. And when I was a kid, they were playing. I remember they were doing like, I mean, I'm going to date myself, of course, but they were doing like Prince tunes and killing, because they were a great band. Mm -hmm. So when they would do these complicated, funky, poppy stuff of the ear, they would kill it. Mm -hmm. Kill it. I mean, he, in fact, is on record with Shaka Khan, Tower of Power, he did, you know, he would do session stuff too. Wow, that's so awesome. That's the origin story of getting into music. Mm -hmm. Was just yeah. him. Yeah. You know? No, that's cool. And being that's... like, fuck, I want to be like my uncle. <laughs> you know what I mean? And your uncle played mostly uh, Jersey Shore stuff, you know, back then. I mean, besides yes. other things, but yes. when you were a kid, you would be Jersey like, Shore. To be a Jersey Shore, quote unquote, musician back then was a big fucking deal. Because mm. you know who else is a fucking Jersey Shore musician? Bruce. Yeah. And goddamn Southside. Mm -hmm. You know, and that kind of thing. And as a matter of fact, I, I didn't even think of this. I, I grew up on a street called Surf Street in Seabright. And at the end of my street was a legendary venue called The Good Side. And I would run up to the end of the fucking street and put my, put, you know, because the, the front window was fucking tinted. Mm -hmm. And where the band would play... You know, their backs were to you when you look through the tinted window. And I, Bruce would be up there jamming with my uncle all the time. Wow. So word would come on Surf Street, yo, Bruce is up there jamming with Line Drive. So all the kids, myself included, would run up and put our faces to the window and watch Juice, uh, Bruce playing with my uncle. You know what I mean? Uh, and, that's cool. Know, that, made a, that made an impression on me. I didn't grow up in an environment where it was like, let me, let, how do I phrase this? Like every other person, your guys self-included, you're in the arts, you're a musician. So when you're younger, you have like everybody and their mother telling you, oh, you like to play, are you a guitarist in the band? I play bass, yeah. He's a bass. Oh, you like to play bass? Oh, that's cute. What are you going to do for college? What are you going to do for a living? And you're like, motherfucker, <laughs> I'm going to rock. <laughs> so motherfucker. And they don't take you seriously. But I grew up in an environment where I was like, this is a lie. Like, I've watched my uncle buy a home off of this. Mm -hmm. He's not famous, but he's still able to make a living and buy a home. So from early on, I knew that you don't necessarily have to be Motley Crue. Yeah, you should true. strive to try to be. Definitely try to kick the field goal as far as you can. True. But even if you f fall short of that goal, if you're really fucking doing it and kicking ass... You might not have to get a fucking day job and still not be Motley Crue. Yeah. Which probably is a pain in the ass at the end of the day. <laughs> it's probably you a whole know, other you know level I mean? of pain in the ass. Yeah, I'm saying. <laughs> fucking poor Vince Neil. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's been getting crucified. Yeah. Oh, man. He's, he's, he has a, a hot mess. Yeah, he's a hot mess. <laughs>
the way I got into reggae is I grew up in Seabright, as I mentioned earlier. And when I was 17, um, do you guys remember the Long Branch Boardwalk? Yep. Haunted Mansion know. and all that. So there was the Long Branch Boardwalk and it was, um, I don't know how I would c compare it to almost a Venice beach where it's a boardwalk, but it's just fucking sleaze central. And when I was 17, I would go to this bar over there called the Blue Dolphin, and they would serve us fucking pitchers of beer. And I would go there and chill out and drink pitchers of beer with the old people. And one night I was over there and I had my acoustic guitar with me. And as a dumb young motherfucker, like, oh, I'm a musician. Let me sit over here like buskers do. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I've always. Which busking. I just learned that from one of the other bands. I've never heard that before. I can't stand busking. And people that do it, I do respect them, but some of them, they're like mimes. In a way, it can be annoying in a way. But when I was 17 and I was, in a way, it's almost busking, but I was kind of like sitting on the fucking steps of the Blue Dolphin, hammered, playing my acoustic. And a guy walked up to me. He's like, oh, you're a musician, are you? A young brother. And he's like, yeah, my friend has a studio. We're looking for guitarists, musicians, keyboard, whoever. You know, it was just a very vague thing. And I'm like, cool. And he hands me the card, and it's this, like, rostered out, like, the name of the studio is Melchizedek High Power, which is a Rasta-oriented name. That has to, it's a biblical thing. Yeah, Melchizedek right. is the high priest of the Levites in the Old Testament. But, but at that time, I didn't know it. I'm like, what? Oh, cool. Put it in a pocket. It was in some hood. The address was, like, deep in the fucking hood in Long Branch, like, off of Rockwell Avenue, where it's, like, I don't know if you guys know that area, but... So I went over there a few days later and I roll up and it's like barbed wire fence all around the place. It looked like Jamaica. Zinc. <laughs> you know, zinc fucking sheets like hammered indiscriminately to the fence. The wood is hammered. And I met a Rasta man in there who I guess we would say took me under his wing and then I, I, I wanted to just hang out and smoke weed because I'm 17 and I wanted a safe place to do that. Um, but he like had a recording studio and a sound system and had his notions of like he that he was gathering musicians to fucking form a band and shit. So after about a year of me being there, he's like, you're going to be the guitarist, man. And I'm like, fuck that. I don't I love reggae, but I don't fucking play this shit. I'm not Jamaican. And he's like, no, man, you're going to be the guitarist, man. And. Here I am. So be it. <laughs> so be it. And this man, I, you know, he's still with us today, and I revered him. And, you know, my father, he's in jail on, like, a murder, kidnapping thing. I never met the motherfucker. So it's like all my life I've had these various, and he's been one of those father figures. And he forced me to do this. And, man, you should hear the first reggae shit. I remember doing, he's like, so sit. He, <laughs> It's almost like a fucking kung fu movie. He literally put me in the guest bedroom in his house. And you gotta realize, these I'm 17 and these guys are 55. He's married to a white American woman who's like 65. So these are like grandparents. And like I told you, I was raised by my grandparents. So their house, I mean, he's smoking weed all day out of a pipe and all this and that. But And there's pictures of Haile Selassie and everything all over in every room, but at the same time, since they were so old, it was kind of like being at your grandparents. It was. It, it could be a little boring. Mm. So this dude shoves me in the fucking guest bedroom. Now I'm super bored. And I got to make some reggae tracks on my four track to show him before I come out of there. 
and I remember thinking one of them I based on heroin by fucking the Velvet Underground because mm. that's how fucking like I don't even know what to do right now. I love the Velvet Underground. Is this a good? And you know, don't get me wrong. I've been listening to Bob Marley for years at this point, right? So it's like I'm not totally fucking retarded, but I'm a fucking metal kid. I don't know how to. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're a metal guy. Then they hand you. Oh, you're the reggae guy now. The fuck you doing? <laughs> palm, palm muting. Palm muting is the only transferable technique. Mm, the palm yeah. mute, the chop, the metal palm mute. That's the reggae chop. There you go. It's the same fucking thing. You have to perfectly palm mute on the bridge for the proper reggae chop, just like you have to do for the chug for metal. Mm. If your if your palm is slightly higher on the bridge or back, you don't get the proper attack yeah, and yeah, cut yeah. off for the chug or the chop. That, yeah. it's, fu- it's identical, dog. I'm yeah. telling you, it's identical. Wow. I've really played too much reggae, so I couldn't tell you. I've played both. Yeah. The first songs I fucking learned were like Sanitarium, just like everybody else. I learned Sanitarium, Battery, you know, Chug, 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 Chop, Chop, Chop. It's the same exact palm mute. There's no difference. Mm. None. Interesting. Very interesting. Things you, don't, things you learn every day. What else you guys got from me? <laughs> so you're considered, at least to me, and I've been around for a while, you're a really good songwriter. Yeah, you have. Is that what they say? That's what that's what we say. Us real oh, people. I, man, I appreciate you. You know, I'm and I've known you that. for a while. You're a real songwriter. Like most artists, I think I'm jive personally, but nah. I mean, I mean, is there withstood the test there? of time? Besides so. Liberace and guys like that, are there guys out there that really come out and say, "Fuck, man, I'm, I'm kind of the shit." I'm sure there are. I, there actually, are. I'm, I'm sure not, there are. They're weird. No, <laughs> You're not one of them. Don't worry. Uh, no, but, but no, I do appreciate As that. a songwriter, now, like, you know, do you wake up and you have these melodies in your head or maybe some something inspired you to write something? I do. Is it like a process that is natural and organic? It's natural and organic, but most of the time I ignore it. Okay. Yeah, I ignore it. A million songs come to me all the time mm-hmm. and I usually just, like, let them go. Okay. Because if it's really something you want, it's going to stick with you or? Not really. It's more like the ideas come all the time, no matter what. Mm -hmm. It's actually a problem sometimes, Mm -hmm. like whether you fucking want them to or not. True. And um, a lot of people, should I say they're more professional and driven, keep a notebook by their bed and wake up and, oh my God, what was that? Me, I go, fuck, that's an awesome idea for a hook. And then I'm like, I'm too tired to like, dude, I'm, fuck this. <laughs> and then, of course, you lose it. Mm-hmm. So I do that a thousand times a week. Um, I've learned to detach from it. Uh, it doesn't stress me out. Okay. So do you set because, time for recording? Oh, oh, to answer your question, yeah. because I know that when the fucking rubber hits the road mm-hmm. and when I sit down and go, it's like a job. It's I sit down and go, all right, I got to write a song now. It's not fucking, oh, I'm inspired and I got to write a song. It's like, no, it's time to sit down and do this. Okay. That's definitely a different way. So at that time, you turn on, um, what do you call it? Inspiration. Okay. You fucking, and if it's not there, you fake, you pretend it is. Mm-hmm. Until it gets there. Make the fucking song. <laughs> yeah. It might not ever come. Does that mean you can, my God, you're a, a Mason. 
they want you to do this very simple brickwork thing that's not really getting you excited. Mm -hmm. You're still able to do the job. True. That's and it's still way. probably going to be high quality if you're a person of esteem in the masonry world, right? Yeah. So it's like, I don't know, waiting for inspiration is kind of like a non-efficient and almost pretty much kind of non-professional way of doing shit. That's... Do you feel like doing the fucking sound for the bands every time? Yeah, no, no, absolutely. The same cover band, you're going to hear them do freaking I Get Knocked Down by Chumbawamba. You want to kill yourself. <laughs> yeah, true, true. Do you do the sound any less... No. perfect for that band no but you know that's a different way actually from people that have been on here it's and that's when a different you're in way a studio situation though you're thinking creatively and you're like oh i like the bridge this guy's doing and your brain as a technical guy as a mm -hmm. producer you're going mm, i'm hearing delay i'm mm -hmm. hearing you know your brain starts going to all these places of yeah you know where it could go yeah yeah it's just like sometimes you're inspired sometimes you're not but you're still working regardless all the time i hope so yeah, <laughs> you try to. Everybody tries to keep that done. moving. <laughs> so, okay, so you actually set a time. So, I'm no, I don't say set punch. a time. I'm, I'm very lackluster these days about when I do it, but. But you'll walk in, let's say you're into the, because you're, you have your own studio. Yeah. You walk in and you're like, all right, well, I'm going to, you know, all right, today's day. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write a song or I'm going to, I have to do this song for yada, yada, yada. Correct. Now, do you take it and. You know, pretty much do everything yourself as like a pre-production yourself first. I mean, I do so many different genres and different scenarios that there's never like never a same. There's never a formula. Um, that's awesome. That's great because that's how music flows. Because I don't think music should be a formula. Yeah. You know, yeah. it should be an extension. Well, it's it's like a soccer play, man. You don't mm. know what's going to happen. Nope. You just react in the time. So it's like a client gives you a thing to do. I mean, it could be anything. If a guy comes to me, I've had a guy hire me to write. He's not a musician. He wanted to write a valent. A he wrote a song. He wanted a, a person to perform and record just for him to give to whoever his lucky partner was. This guy, man, what amazing boyfriend. This guy. He hired a fucking, he, he found my friend who then hired me to write and record this song that he wrote. I don't know if he was proposing. I don't know the guy. I never met him. Mm -hmm. But I mean, a thing like that, yeah, I had to, it was a band track. It was a ska song. So it involved having an upright bassist and a oh, thing. Oh, nice. So that's completely different than when someone sends me a hip hop track mm. and says, can you do a hook for this? Yeah. And the production techniques, as I'm sure you know, would be radically different. Oh, absolutely. Because one of them's a live band playing and then capture it and do a few overdubs. And the other thing is like, yo, all right, cut, punch, cut punch because mm -hmm. that's what that genre calls for yeah. the thing with the thing with um production is people have these like weird notions about like um almost purity like fuck you got to be like hank williams in nashville with a live fucking band playing in the studio and track it and if the band fucks up it's take two or it's not real that's bullshit even taylor swift don't do that are you gonna tell me taylor mm -hmm. swift ain't a real artist yeah, well, she's one of the biggest it's, ones right it's now. It's 2021. <laughs> People punch, paste, cut. They put shit on a grid. They make it sound. It's the 50s are over. It's mm. when you hear singers in the 80s, you know, take my breath away and shit like that. You go, damn, this is definitely before auto tune. Because 
some of these motherfuckers can't sing. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. And yeah. I'm not talking about now. I'm talking about back when people, oh, back then, we were real musicians. Bullshit. Not everybody could sing. <laughs> yeah. Auto-tune helped some people. Yeah. Technology yeah. helped many people. Because now, you, it don't matter really sometimes what the fucking act sounds like live. You're never going to see him live. That's you're gonna that's You're going to love that song while you're working out, though, right? For a month, you're like, dude, I'm getting pumped. This is my song for when I do my presses or whatever. I'm not an athlete, but <laughs> you know what I'm saying. It, it sounds good. And you, going. and you rock with this song, and you're like, I'm never going to see this artist live, but I'm yeah. loving this song this month. Yeah, What's that's, wrong with that? That's a different way It's not fucking Hank Williams doing it in one take. Mm. Trust me, bro. If, if they stopped in the 1950s with recording technology and everybody had to do their shit in one take, you'd, you wouldn't be in music right now. Mm. You'd hate music. Yeah. Because it would sound like shit. Let's be real. Let's be real. That's true. That's technology definitely, uh... to stay in one place for half a century, that's not a good thing. True. And I'm on both sides of the equation. Like I told you, I do a sky fucking track with an upright basis and the next day they want me to go full auto-tune on a hook for a pop track. So it's like, I'm not agnostic about this shit at all. I learned to get over it. When I first got into like pop and hip hop production, I was like that. I was like, and then they're doing what? And what? Meanwhile, it's like hit songs that everyone loves. But I have this hang up where it's like, we gotta be like the whalers going in and laying down and suffering and take 83. like. Nobody does, like, hmm. if you want to be a real professional in the real modern era, you got to do what real professionals do. Hmm. And real professionals don't do what Hank Williams did in 1951 no more. No, no, no. Even guys that are singer-songwriters like a John Mayer, he don't go and, yes, there's a huge live element, I'm sure, to while he's recording, mm -hmm. but there's some cut paste, some little fucking Oh, yeah, there's always going to be tweaks. Come on, man. If you could keep the tweaks like uh, for a, like a band like that, you keep the tweaks to a minimum, you did your job. Even but there's you, always tweaking. But even if you didn't do your job and you had to tweak the shit out of it, I don't yeah. I've gotten over that. I have mm -hmm. no problem with that. I don't look at that as like, oh these guys suck. We had to cut and paste them. Because if it was nineteen sixty one, you would just let it be. You wouldn't have cut and pasted them. Yeah. But let's be honest, it wouldn't have sounded as hot. True. Hang on Sloopy doesn't sound as fucking hot. As like something that Bruno Mars is doing right now. Mm -hmm. It just come. It doesn't. Yeah, I'm not a fan of the genre, but I don't lie to myself. That's true too. You know, uh, Louis 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 don't sound as good as whatever the latest mm. you name it track is by big artist. Of yeah. Now it, it's technically it's not as good. Mm -hmm. The performance. You know they did it live, but this guy didn't. But this one. You can do, get with this, or you can get with that. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And as technical folks, because we all record and produce ourselves, and also as musicians, it's a disservice, I think, to kind of deny that. And mm -hmm. I think a lot of musicians, especially our age, do that. And they kind of yeah. they try to discredit. It's the process and the fucking blood and sweat that it takes these guys to cut and paste and do these perfect recordings is probably... I'm going to go ahead and put myself out there and say more grueling than it is to go, we got it down. Let's just cut it. Take one. 
Yeah, that's not what they do. For me, like mm. in like the heavier end of the music spectrum, when you get those bands that are so cut and paste to be directly on the beat, and the drums are mapped out with a drum machine because the drummer can't actually physically play. Yeah, what they're it just the music loses its soul. Well, to me, I look at that as a genre-based thing. Yeah, what mm. what wing of hard music are you in? Are you in the poppy radio hard music where if you don't grit it out and you're in the poppy hard rock shit? It's not going to sound right on the radio to the people that are fans of the poppy metal, the new metal, this, that. It ain't going to sound right if you do Black Sabbath and it's just like, one, two, three, four, and you're actually doing it live in 2021. It's not going to, you're not going to be competitive. Mm. Yeah. So if you're a 16-year-old kid and you put that fucking restriction on him, you got to be a real musician and do the take. He's not going to be able to be like Avenged Sevenfold or whoever he's got in his brain because that's not what they fucking did. No record has been made like that since this, 1971. Yeah. I know you don't want to hear that. I just had this conversation with my buddy the other day because I was telling him about... Ah, this is going off on attacked. <laughs> we were talking about Peter Chris. Okay. And when the Kiss, when Kiss did all the reunions... As you guys probably know, you're well, you're in fucking hard rock, so I hope you know that when you go to see a proper show, I mean at a fucking 10,000 cap venue, 20,000 cap, the drummer, you're not hearing the actual Tom. It's a trigger, man. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a trigger, and at the very most, they mix a little of acoustic Tom with the trigger. Mm -hmm. But chances are it's not. Because when Ozzy says... And homie got to go plump, 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 plump. And you're in a 50 cap stadium. If you literally just mic a fucking, you know this yeah. dog. Oh, we'll just mic the tongue, put some <laughs> reverb on it, and then crank it to stadium level. That'll work. No, dude, it's a fucking trigger. Mm. So it's like this kind of production is in every genre. It's not just the pop people and the hip hop people. Yeah. In, 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 1990s to now when you see a big fucking show there's probably going to be triggers backing tracks even mm -hmm. even ozzy bro i felt bad about this but i guess the guy got fired and his ghost because he has a ghost vocalist behind the fucking curtains at shows oh wow who hits all the super high notes for him because yeah, he's fucking old yeah. and he's been yeah. hitting the Barely, notes yeah. for 50 years doing cocaine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So if he can't hit the note now, yeah. whether it's fucking metal, pop, or whatever, yeah. that's how they make records now. So it's like, it's a weird thing. Because I have that propensity too, man, where it's like, yeah, man, slide fucking guitar with a lap steel. <laughs> the amps from 1930. Just put a mic on that bitch. <laughs> that's just not how it's done. Well, no do you more. feel that, that now, like, here's the question, because I'm just going to go by other artists that have been on here. Is that hindering an artistic flavor? I don't, feel, I don't think so, but I am aware that many artists that have their nose up in the fucking yeah, air no, and I've messed think some. it is. But again... Taylor Swift is doing that. Are you going to tell me that chick ain't a fucking songwriter? You're going to sit here and tell me she ain't an artist? Yeah. yeah. So I guess yeah. it's just my mindset like from growing up in music. It's because we're old. Well, I'd say what I, I, I don't, <laughs> we're old. We have to yeah. admit that. I say, but I, I don't write things that I can't perform live. You know what I mean? I have no problem with doing that because I've had a different experience, though, which we're going to talk about now. And how I came to that. Well, segue into this story. Oh, time. here's how it happened. <laughs> Let me take a sip. 
I didn't always feel this way. Like I said, I fucking dude, I'm raised on metal. I'm like yeah. you. I got I own three Les Pauls. I got like seven Gibsons. I got mm-hmm. the 335. I got the fucking three Les Pauls. And I'm not bragging. I'm just as a yeah. kid, I wanted these things and I got them now. I got a fucking SG. The only thing I don't have, which I have had, but I sold it, is right now I don't have a fucking uh, telly. And don't tell my fucking wife, but I, I'm fucking plotting. I'm plotting. <laughs> I'm plotting on a fucking telly. Just make sure she doesn't watch this. It's all just for the podcast. He's only talking because of the podcast. Edit don't worry. it out. <laughs> but you feel what I'm saying? So I am definitely from that organic, you know, let's lay it down, boom, boom, boom. But through the course of human events, mm. um, I fucking got into pop and hip hop somehow. I got like drafted into pop and hip hop. And I did it for like 10, 10, 15 years as a commercial singer and writer. And it totally changed my point of game. view and everything. Yeah, it totally yeah. changed it. Because even when I first started doing it, I was sitting there. They were just using me for my voice. Yeah. And so I'm still sitting there as kind of like I'm a reggae artist. I'm a fucking heavy metal kid. And I'm sitting there like this fucking music is so jive. Oh, they want me to do what? Because because they you know they give you the lyric sheet and okay sing this and do this and do you have any changes? What, what do you think about this part? And I'd be like, well I would do this, but in my head I was thinking this shit is whatever. But I didn't. I was a fucking rookie. Yeah. Like when you're a fucking rookie, you have these notions and you don't even know what's going on. It took me a few years so I realized, yo, we're making legit music for fucking superstars right now, and like the song I'm working on right now might make somebody millions of fucking dollars in a couple months. It got to that point. So it's like, meanwhile, I'm at home playing my little rock song. So mm-hmm. which one is more artistically like, important? Yeah. Oh, I'm over here doing it with no overdubs and I did it live. But now I'm doing fucking songs for actual celebrities that are making hits out of the songs I'm writing. Which one is more artistically yeah. viable? Yeah. 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 So, you, you know, you have to fucking go, oh, this this is art. It's just not my genre. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This guy's an expressionist painter, right? This guy's in a different school of painting. They probably look at each other, oh, fuck, this guy's jive. Expressionism? What? But really, you're going to tell me Matisse or whomever, that's mm-hmm. not a painter? So you have to kind of go through this process and be like, oh, I'm not an expressionist. But this, I still have to respect this genre of painting. It yeah. was like that. Different avenues to get yeah. the same and destination. Did, yeah, yeah, and it didn't take me long, but soon I fucking caught on and I got into it. And now, as a Pro Tools engineer, an Ableton operator, or whatever mm. the fuck, when I, it, even if I'm working on an organic song that involves an acoustic guitar and whatever, I still have the techniques at my disposal that I learned in the pop and hip hop shit. Mm-hmm. The guy's off a little bit. You really want to leave that or you want to fucking slide him on the grid and tune yeah. that one word? Depends you don't got to auto-tune the shit yeah. out of him. Yeah. But the, he's Polish off. Polish it up, yeah. He's, he's off there. It's your client. Are you, are you going to leave that so when he hears it, his buddies and his family is off there? Or are you going to fucking pull out the tool that we have, auto-tune or any kind of picture, yeah. fix that one phrase... And now the shit's banging from beginning to end. But oh, don't do that. 
That's cheating. <laughs> this guy's paying you, man. Yeah. Really. Get over yourself. That's my advice to engineers, man. To old, to old engineers. Old engineers. Well, there's not many of us. And left. trust me, I learned it the hard way. No, we're out there. We're out there sitting there. I see us on Facebook. This new rap music, these kids, they don't know what they're doing. Well, what the fuck do you think the Wu-Tang Clan sounded like to somebody who was 45 back in 1997? Yeah, I mean, it's true. That shit was so lo-fi, it sounded like it was recorded on a fucking cassette tape, which it might have been. Yeah, you never know. Now look at it. Classic. I just saw Wu-Tang Manhattan, me and my wife. Oh, nice. Oh, all these people keep telling me about that documentary they did on fucking. Oh, I didn't see the doc. They said it's great. Dude, this live show... I turn to my wife and the thing, I'm like, we're watching a classic rock show right now. Because these dudes are 30 years recording artists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, if it was the 90s or the 80s, these guys would be the dudes from the 50s. So, if it was the 90s and we're watching the show, we're watching the Stones right now. Band from 30 years ago. Yeah. So, these guys' live show is down. It's not a bullshit. It's a fucking show, man, that a veteran artist that's won Grammys puts on. It was, oh, what a good time. And a brawl broke out as we were leaving. I'm like, babe, this is this is fucking legit. Yeah, there's a, we got a brawl. We're old people. We want a little brawl. What you were just saying. We want excitement. I get caught in that too, because to me, I still think all the time when I think 30 years ago, I think the 70s. Because that's me too. I think fucking. Then I have to sit there and go. That was a lot longer yeah, than 30 years ago. I'm the 70s. Exactly. <laughs> I'm Fleetwood Mac. Holy uh, shit. Nirvana's Fleetwood Mac. Like, damn. Yeah. That's that's where you go with that's this. It's like, fact. oh, Nirvana. Oh, that's 30 years. That's yeah. a fact. You know. <laughs> All right. So we're talking. I like the way this is going with everything, whether it's organic or whatever. I want to touch on today and today's standards of single versus an EP versus an LP. I will answer that question, but that's kind of a boring question. It is, but you know what? It's an actual question that I think... It's just such a common thing. I'm an older guy, so of course I put out fucking albums all the time. Okay. But I put out five, six, seven albums every year. Oh, wow. So I put out as much albums as a cat would put out a single in a year. I don't have no fucking problem making 20 songs. Mm -hmm. But I'm also aware of the fact that that's not how music is consumed anymore. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants your fucking 20 songs. They just don't. Yeah. They want your hottest fucking song. Yeah, we talk about that on here a lot is how there's such an immediate access to so much material. You got 30 seconds. Exactly. Give me your hottest fucking track. People have no don't. attention span. If you don't hook them. Are you really going to give me your metal album right now and go, just, okay, here's my artistic statement. Now I hit play, right? So that's, a, that's, that's where we oh, struggle. Our songs are like me, 10 minutes me, long. Follow me, though. I was just going to tell you. So now <laughs> I hit play. Since it's a metal album, <clears throat> the synthesizer drone starts or the guitar drone. That's exactly how it starts. 45 seconds later. Ting, 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 ting. You know, <laughs> one minute 50, maybe someone starts fucking singing. So it's like, <laughs> that's a thing. You can do that, but... Even today, for your album-oriented person that's a younger mm-hmm. person, it's still more digestible, consumable, and appropriate is the word I, I guess is a strong word to use, to give them the one fucking song. Let them decide. It's an hors d'oeuvre, man. We're, yeah. we're, you know, mm-hmm. I, t- dude, I do albums. In this year, I did probably four or five albums. One of them was a double album, which wow. is like, who even fucking does that? But 
I realize that I'm kind of quote unquote doing a wrong thing. Mm-hmm. So yes, to answer your question, I do the old school shit, but it, I recognize that it's not the um, appropriate or accepted uh, methodology of the current. Yeah, time. it's not the most it's, efficient. Yeah, it's not. It's not efficient, but it's also not appropriate. Yeah, I it's mean, it's not efficient for us as musicians to go. We'll have this next album to you in two years. Motherfucking 2021, yeah. two years, no one... Who? They're going to forget yeah. about you by that. Some, somehow Tool gets away with 10 years between right. albums. <laughs> so it's not efficient for you to do this whole two-year cycle, but it's also not appropriate for the audience who's not prepared, trained, or used to this. Mm. Motley Crue's going to have another album in five years. Yeah. That's yeah. from way back, bro. Yeah. It's like... All right, so... We're coming up to 2022. What are your plans? Okay, so my plans for 2022 is I don't want to mention the prickly boy. You know, the ball with the prickles on it that's been yeah. fucking everybody. Because oh, yeah, if, yeah. <laughs> like, oh. if you mention prickly boy, you know you will get flagged. Yes. For oil. So, yes. so since prickly boy fucked everybody up, I've been doing whatever else. I've been at home, chilling with my family, mm-hmm. cooking meals for the family. Being like Mr. Mom, because like the rock star shit done ended. <laughs> you know what I'm That's over right now. Dad, can we get some pancakes? So I've been doing that whole thing. There's nothing wrong with that though. No, no nothing. No, bro, bro, you know. <laughs> For 2022 though, I want to get back on the freaking airplanes. I want to get back in the freaking uh, the truck, put the trailer on it. You know the thing. Mm-hmm. Drum kit, load it up. Bye to the women. Woo! Barbarians were hitting the road. That's the plans for 2022. We talked about doing songs for celebrities. Yeah, Why don't you talk is, about Yeah, this is a perfect way that you guys asked because what, what happened was we glossed over this, but I did go from strictly live, ska musician, skinhead, punk, reggae, boom, boom, boom. I got introduced to this pop songwriting world as a vocalist. Okay. They're like, your voice would work on. And then they brought me in and through that, doing it, I learned the process, mm-hmm. you know, that type of process. So within the years that I did that, I did, are you familiar with the Brill Building? The old school Brill Building? Back in New York in the 60s, they, there, was a, there was an actual district in Manhattan for songwriting. Hmm. And the center of this uh, songwriting district, like they had the garment district and the meat packing district, was this joint called the Brill Building, where it was literally like a 30, think 30 story building. Motherfuckers would just write. 500 cubicles with dudes writing songs like a factory and the the modern pop production is kind of based off that you go in it's not like like we were talking about before it's not like oh my god let's wait for the muse and smoke some weed till the muse comes and if we don't get inspired today we just fuck it no it's called throw 700 songs against the wall and see what sticks no and even (laughs) see what sticks it's like yo we're in an empty room. Here's the blank page. We're tasked with writing three fucking songs today. Are you a fucking songwriter or ain't you? Mm, yeah. If you threw a blank notebook, and this is going back to our early reference in front of Hank Williams and said, you can't leave this room till you write three songs, but you think he can't do it? He's going to write three fucking songs. Yeah. That's the difference between a fucking, he's an artist, but he's also a fucking professional. Yeah. Then you have artists they're definitely artistic, but they're not professional. They got to wait till the muse arrives and all mm-hmm. this. Bro, you're not going to get any food and no money and nothing to eat. So it's like, I would, tra- what the, the gig was this. I did this, most of this work in Harlem. 
and I would fucking, I was living in Manasquan at the time, and I would commute to Harlem three, four days a week and grind it out. We'd go up there, we'd do six hooks, mm-hmm. or as many as we could in a day. And we did a lot of celebrity projects. You know, after a while, after I got over myself, mm-hmm. I got used to this process. And then it was like, oh, well, who are we cutting a song for today? Because I did like, do you remember the Diplomats? I know you guys are hip, hip hop guys, but you remember Cameron? You don't know the Diplomats? No. Oh, boy. <laughs> no, <it doesn't> <laughs> really? No. Yeah, no. You never heard of Cameron? Fucking Jewel Santana, Jim Jones? Balling. <laughs> oh I mean, that sounds familiar. Well, anyway, yeah. <laughs> so I won't sound like the old guy in the podcast. <laughs> you guys will. <laughs> all right. So anyway, we're doing all these like Grammy winning fucking hip hop artists, boom, 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 to his tracks. And after a while, I got used to this process where it's like, okay, today we're working on a track for fucking, I did a track for fucking Justin Bieber. You know, so after a while, it got kind of like, you know, okay, what's the next one, Charlie? His name wasn't Charlie, it was Will, but (laughs) what's the next one? And one day he goes, oh, this one's fucking weird. This is so funny. Because we would do a track. There's the vocal booth and the couch, and I would have to go in the vocal booth, do the work, and then it's like, okay, let's chop this up. Come come on out, sit down. And I'd be on my phone, like, just bullshitting, like, what anybody would do, right? Mm So the one day he's like, I'm like, all right, what's up next, man? Because then it would be like he would tighten shit up, close the Pro Tools session, open the next session. Mm. And then he'd, if sometimes we'd have lyrics like partially written, he had started the idea. And then he would print out a paper with whatever he had lyrically. And either it would just be sing this or we'd do tweaks. But whatever. So we finished a track one day and he says, oh, this one's interesting. Because he's like looking, I guess, in his fucking, his inbox. And I'm like, oh, cool. What's up next? He goes, we're going to do something for Akon and Britney Spears. And at that time, Britney was like, it was after her meltdown freak out. Oh, okay. And she was in hiding. And she was in hiding, planning her fucking return and her comeback. Mm. And this project I was working on was the comeback album. I think it was Circus. Remember Circus? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was Circus. So fucking, I'm like, oh, that's cool. And at this point, I'm not like, oh my God, Britney Spears, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I've already done 12 Akon tracks. One of them was a fucking hit for him. So it's like, we've already done all this shit. So I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. So I'm on the Twitter and I'm like, j- bragging in a way, you know, just kind of like, you got to make a tweet. Yeah. What, yeah. what are you doing right now? Oh shit, yeah, about to work on a Britney Spears and Akon track. That's crazy or something I typed. And I, I hit send. Boom. The next day, I'm back up in Harlem. And the guy, when I walk in, he goes, bro, um, did, you, did you like like say anything about like that Britney track yesterday? I'm like, oh, that? I was like, yeah, fuck. I just, when we were getting ready to work on it, I tweeted. He's like, like his whole, like I saw his heart sink. Out of a bitch. <laughs> Out of his fucking face. He goes, bro, Google up the news right now. MTV. Boom. Nobody knew Britney was working on an album. And now the Associated fucking Press got my tweet. Oh, my God. And I outed Britney that she was working on this fucking project. So the manager got on her Twitter the next day and fired me and Will 
and Dark Child, Rodney Rodney Jerkins, who's a he's done everybody from fucking Usher to fuck the guy's a him. He's already sitting in a thirty thousand dollar mansion getting fired. Yeah. Me and Will, we're in an apartment in, in Harlem getting fired. <laughs> he, he had already done his thing, man. Janet Jackson, all this. So, um, yeah, that's interesting. And if you Google up, if you Google up just Akon Britney Spears, it'll come up. And the track was leaked. Do you guys remember the blog Perez Hilton? Oh, yes. Yeah. 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 Motherfucking that guy got a hold of the track, posted it, and we got dragged. Because the track wasn't that good. And it probably wasn't going to get cleared anyway because it was based on a journey interpolation. interpolation. Okay. We were doing um, Don't Stop Believing was the me- melody we were biting. Mm-hmm. And it was, that's happening a million times. That's reminding me of something that's not in my notes. Similar thing happening with fucking Ace of Bass. Ace of Bass shut us down, dog. And it wasn't even our fault. And we were getting ready to, it was Warner Brothers Scandinavia. Mm-hmm. So it was a big deal. I had done this hook called All That She Wants, based on All That She Wants by, um, remember, All That She Wants is oh, another yeah. baby. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there was this kid, I can't remember what the fuck his name was. But he was coming up in the Scandinavian world as like a Con- Kanye West. He was a big deal on Warner Brothers you got to realize that all these labels, they have their territories and mm-hmm. the, the different labels. So there's like Warner Brothers fucking Scandinavia, Warner Brothers Asia. Mm-hmm. And there could be a fucking multi-platinum artist on Warner Brothers Asia. You and I are never going to hear her. Yeah, they stay in there, there, sir. So this guy was one of them. He, would, he was huge in the Scandinavian world. Black guy, rapper. I, was he Swedish? He might have been Swedish or some shit. So we fucking made this banger, dude. The track, all that, I'm the hook guy. All that she wants is a new Mercedes. Yeah. Because, you know, now he's rapping about the, 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 the fucking opulence and shit, right? So we come to find out interpolation denied by the writers. We're like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. Turns out Ace of Base was formed by two men and two women, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. After they had all those <laughs> hits... I saw the sign, all this mm-hmm. and that. They got into a fucking, you know, how bands, they, they start, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Broke up. The two chicks split off from the dudes. The two dudes got two new girls. And the two new girls, the two old girls who were already multimillionaires by that point, vowed never to clear any samples. Wow. To, to, you know, to F those guys that were trying to keep going with the brand. Yeah. So they wouldn't clear our sample. And they said they found it offensive to women because we said all she wants is a new Mercedes. Okay. Come, come. <laughs> my man. My man. The track's hot, though, man. I mean, I'm, I'm not giving that up. Yeah. I worked on that one, and we made it good, you know? That's awesome. That's awesome. They're great stories, man. All right. This will be the, the, the end of it. Final question. There's one thing you could change about the music scene. One singular thing. What would it be and why? One thing I could change? One thing you could change. I mean, that's such an easy answer. I wouldn't change anything. And the reason I wouldn't change anything is because I think everything is running fine as it is. I really don't see any problems. Mm. You know? That's the easiest answer I've ever heard. (laughs) Music, music. If you really want me to expand, I mean, 
We you get go, people that go down the rabbit hole. You there. go. We'll keep it shallow, but you go to fucking ice cream shop. There's 800 flavors, man. Mm-hmm. If you don't like the weird flavor, don't eat it. You don't like Post Malone, don't fucking listen to him. But to act like that flavor isn't good because you're an old bitter motherfucker. <laughs> that's, that's not, even, not even just about the music, about how like how the shows were run, All how promoters treat the bands. I mean, it's that's almost two different things because you're talking. It's still part of the scene. The though. music scene for the fan, I don't think anything has changed. If you're 16, you like some weird motherfucker with an interesting haircut that your parents hate. I hope that never changes. Mm. The minute sure. you're like, good on you, son. You're listening to Bing Crosby? Kill me, because that's not a world I want to fuck I don't want to live in that world. Everything is for everybody, bro. It's mm. like, what flavor you want to eat? Yeah. yeah. You know, like these young rappers with the purple dreads, some of it is ridiculous. But if you want to seriously be honest and you listen to a lot of songs, you're going to find a couple songs you're like, the head starts nodding a little and you're like all right okay all right this guy's all right so it's just kind of like a la carte man Mm -hmm. it's fucking same thing with the album what a good rapper it's an a la carte world man nobody has time for your fucking entree but let us let me take a sample yeah if i like what i'm tasting i'm definitely going to be pursuing i'm coming back to this a common answer to that question is for your sampling like spotify how they pay a tenth of a penny. It's garbage. Pretty I, like I, I have never yeah. had a day job off of music, but I'm not gonna fucking sit here and tell you tales about how my recorded output pays my mortgage. Mm-hmm. What pays my mortgage is live performing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Period. Yes, I get money off recordings, boom, 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 but it's not like yeah. the 50, 60K a year that a teacher makes or whatever you make. Like yeah. that shit comes off of going out to the venues and slogging it out. You know what yeah. I mean? Yep. Yep. Of which Jeff has fucking been there with me, so he knows. We've been, <laughs> we've been bit by green flies together. Ah, yes. Shit. yes. <laughs> shit hurts. Shit hurts. All right, well, uh, we're going to go get set up in the other room, and we'll get a couple awesome. songs out of you. Nice. Oh, real quick. Tell people where they can find you. Follow, oh, follow you. I'm going to be at dubassassins.com. Pretty easy. All right, Pretty yeah. easy. Follow, follow him on Instagram, all those other good places. All and, uh, of them dub assassins. As usual for us, if you want to get in touch with us, you can jsmpinfo at gmail.com. Hit us up and Jeff will get right back to you. Yeah, I'd never. I don't do computers, sir. Oh. You. All right. <laughs> it's always Let's you, Matt. Going. It's always you. Legends, Mama thought that I was never coming back Till I pull up in a 58 Cadillac Looking like an animal that minks hanging on my back True OG, you can call me Goldie Mac Oh, I, I'm off that purple all day I'm so high, and y'all so bonafide That's why 
For something you can never be That's why you mean baby begging on me Like a D.O.C. True professional Baby you know me Make a high track Donate to charity Yup, I do it for free Dedicate to daddy in the penitentiary Singing whoa, whoa And it easy being me gangsta I know you catch your feelings See you later Put that on my whole life You ain't been acting right, baby I'ma have to let you know Really don't matter now Same old discussion Ooh You think you're so special But you're coming down a dozen Yeah And one day I'm gonna buy your whole life Yeah, one day you're gonna realize I'm a gangster Gangster, gangster I told you I was gonna get my paper right But you didn't believe me Now you got that 2020 vision hindsight But you still don't see me But still none of these things that I say Are designed to impress you Cause darling At the end of the day, I'm just trying to undress you. Since I had to pack my things and go, it's been a couple years for me. But let that truth be told, you never shed a single tear for me. I was headed out down the road, yup, you got a little weird on me. But I rode it like a rodeo, and I handled that business like a true OG. It really don't matter now, same old discussion. Woo! You think it's so special, but you come a dime a dozen. Put them on the payroll, oh, oh, oh. ain't no getting old. 
need a table turn man a criminal, yeah. Hey. No millionaire, so he takes a dollar here and there. He claims I got two children, I got to pay them tuition. What officer turned into a criminal? Him dead on the road, looking for the payroll. Police pump patrol, hunting for the payroll. Them a hold the youth in the flashing lights. Officer a sees contraband and on the caper. Profit them a pocket that don't take twice. They're on the payroll. Man, a criminal, yeah. No. Oh, the paper time, man, a criminal, yeah, 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 yeah. Hey. Ooh, 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 another tune between old friends. Oh, let's do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Hey. Feel the magic in the air. You're 
wanna dance to the break of day Forget the troubles like we never cared And I'll be calling around at past seven Oh, you got some nice to wear Baby girl, you can be my lady I hope I can be your man What you doing for the rest of your life, girl? Canceling future plans Select so to play that song again, my heart is in your hands Music is the food of love, I hope night don't ever end Ooh, she really feeling me, I can tell by the way she stares The heat to the third degree on it, it's our love affair, love affair Short Musicians Podcast. Your boy P Dub signing off. You keep listening, like, and subscribe. Write a review.
parched. Ah, you guys are fancy. Look, he's got Les Paul fucking paint. He's got the Christmas shit up. You guys are savages, man. <laughs> 